broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. Hey, 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 coming at you. The X-Files podcast. Josh, what's up? How you doing, pal? I'm I'm good. You kind of came in like a like a late night um like a love line kind of radio host in that yeah, one. Yeah, you like that? Hey, 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 hey. it's uh, WKPR. Send we up shouts to all the lovers. <laughs> Top 40 on that long. Go easy on the jeans, boys. <laughs> so what's yep. up, pal? Always tune into the live show for great insight about problematic hand jobs. Indeed, yes. Your guys are really missing out on scintillating conversation. Good stuff. Uh, you should consider net slash live every other Thursday. It's not that hard, people. You want to get on the chat? You want to participate? It's simple. And before we get into all the housekeeping we have to do, I just want to say that I'm very excited this week to be talking about the musings of the cigarette-smoking man, Joshua. I'm looking forward to getting into all of the fun uh, and interesting things that I think make this episode great. And um, I want to titillate the people up front, because if this is your first time tuning in, we have quite a bit of housekeeping to do up front. And um, I'm, I'm telling you to stick around. The conversation will be worth it. But stick until around. then, until then, we have some housekeeping to talk about. So Josh, why don't we start talking about a couple things? We got a... We got a we have uh, an ally, I guess you could say, in the podcasting world Oof. that we need to pitch. Ugh. We, we have a, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, maybe not the word as so co-opted by the maniacs, but we have some contest stuff to talk about. So mm-hmm. we can dive in. <clears throat> what order would got you like some, to do those things in? Got some winners. Uh, well, let's talk March Madness first because it's at least relevant to the X-Files before I whore myself. March. And you allow me to do the whoring. Um, the March Madness, here we are, May 6th, has concluded. Mm. It was a long time coming, but it was it was constantly in the moves. Um, the, the voting that took place uh, for the worst X-Files episode of all time um, that was generated. We went, we did season by season polls that was run by uh, Carmelita and BP and Mikey Marinara. And oh, shit. Actually, before I even get to that, shout out to the Marineras. Mikey Marinara and and the future Mrs. Marinara are now Mr. and Mrs. Mikey Marinara. So big. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yep. Fucking salut. Salut. Long time. Salut. Snuck it in before she got wise. Good job, buddy. Yep. Yep. Um, I hope you enjoy it. You know, take it while it lasts. Enjoy. You got a good year, year and a half. <laughs> Then, you know, yeah, it's just da, 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 a person you're with for the rest of your life. To, to be clear, these polls are posted on facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on X-Files. And on Twitter, courtesy of Carmelita. Twitter. Yep. Um, so uh, they generated what were going to go into the rankings. We did a little mathematical formula, ranked them one to 32, made up the bracket. And then we went through the voting. And, uh, before of course that happened, we allowed all the listeners to submit their, their, their completed brackets. And now we're done, baby. So first of all, we have a winner of, of the actual as selected by the X-Files podcast listeners. What is the worst X-Files episode? And Dean, would you do the honor, sir? Tesos to bichos. 
Fucking Jaguar. Yep. If but not you're, really. But not really. <laughs> not, not really. really. Jaguar, is it? All feline finale, by the way. It was. Uh, it came down to Tesos Dos Bichos versus Fearful Symmetry. So Oof. it was Mr. Pitter Patter versus the mare, the Ware Jaguar and uh, a I'm flock gonna, of house cats. Can I weigh in on that? Please. I'd rather watch Tesos than Fearful, but... But it is a but it is a but it is a conclusive victory. I think that was both of our votes, but it was not very close. No, nope. we voted Fe- this, by the way. Yeah, we're not we're not <laughs> on bias. Let's get real. <laughs> Let's get real. So the most important thing before we announce the winners is to announce the winner of the side bet between myself and BP nine thousand. Uh-huh. So we had a little we did a little side piece, just like just like we did the last time around, which BP took down. Congratulations. Spoiler alert. You have a you have a hop in your step today. And if History I know you, I know you won. Not repeat itself. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fur was flying right down to the finish. And uh you know what's even crazier? This this has never happened. I actually fucking had the high score of the whole goddamn thing. Oh. And you know why? Because it wasn't actually about X Files knowledge. It was about knowledge of our listeners. And I'm fucking I'm on to you people. I'm on to you people. Because that's what we're really voting for is, or or the bracket was about, you know, not objectively, despite BP's postings on the Facebook page, to the contrary, where he was telling people how their, uh, you know, opinions were objectively wrong. Yes. Strong opinions. Strong opinions on that one. Yep. Came down to one point difference. So BP actually, he got the final winner. Tesos dos bichos. I did not. But I had the final four right. I had the fucking finals right. And that brought me over the edge. It was five rounds, you know, 32, 16, 88, 4, 2. Mm-hmm. And we did one, two, three, four, That's five good points. That's division, brother. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I took him down by one point. So BP, I will be uh, sending you a link to the um, uh, Jillian Anderson sex doll of my choice. And uh, mm-hmm. I will, put that uh, shit on a payment plan. Please, please make sure you select obscure um, packaging, obscure labeling, whatever you call it. Anonymous is the word you're looking for. Anonymous. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that aside, the real deal. Are Josh, the, the, you're the, so smart. Josh, <laughs> you're so brilliant. Josh, you're much hotter than Mulder. Josh, I don't have time for my autopsy. Would you like me to service you? Josh. You're number robot. one. Pendril's number two. <laughs> I get I get a little bit harder when she talks about Pendril, which is mm-hmm. weird, but it's yeah, fine. Well, maybe we'll ship you a Pendril one instead. All right. But for the actual <laughs> real deal, the listeners, um, Dean, why don't you tell us we had a tie for first place? Yes. Who do we, we got? Dwayne Bow of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bow. I'm, I'm assuming that's how it's said. Michael Bow and Miranda... Cashman. Lightning bolts. We really need a soundboard, huh? Fucking soundboard in the house. Now we do mouth music around here, brother. All right. Nice. Michael Bo, Miranda Cashman. You guys are the winners. All right. And uh, one point off. Always there, always lurking, always lurking in the snowy woods, of course. Mm-hmm. White Death. 
Yeah. She's sliding around through the snow banks of Finland, picking off would-be Russian invaders. Coming in at number two, Maja she got her fucking sights lined up on Frohickey too. That's it. There you That's go. It. Way to go, Maja. Maja, of course, of the Video Doom podcast. Check it out. And uh, Check a tie it out. for third place. Dun, dun, dun. The ladies it's... round out the top five mm-hmm. with Katie Stenlake and Amy yep. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Oh, wait, I can't <laughs> Way to go, boys and girls. Uh, I think we can, Dean. We are both honorary Latinos. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, that's right. No, Mexican specific. Uh, I think actually I'm uh, ambiguously Latino and Viking, but ambiguously. You know, okay. No big deal. No big deal. No, no big Way to go, one. Amy. Hell yeah, motherfucker. Is she here tonight? Is she in the live chat? Uh, I do not see her this time around. Uh, White probably, Death is in there. BP, yeah. the loser. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <clears throat> no Everybody's deal. here. Carmelita Voss, BP, Carmelita Voss. We got Roger, Jay. Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. All right, so for the prize, um, mm. what we're going to do, uh, first of all, for our first place winners for the the, the tiebreakers of, uh, of Mike Bo and Miranda, um, I don't think they've received it before. So we're going to send you out a little glorious LSG sticker pack. Yes. Uh, we got L- we got X-Files stickers. What else yep. we got, Dean? So here's what's going to be in the sticker pack. We're going to send you an X-Files sticker, Lost Driving sticker, and two Kirking Off stickers because we have them. I don't know if you care boom, about boom, it, boom. but there you go. You can you fucking slap them down on your computer or wherever you're going to be reminded of, uh, uh, of the awesomeness of yourself. You, you say, I won these in fair yeah. battle. And of course, bragging rights. And we're going to do the same thing we did last year because I think it was pretty cool. I'm going to email the five of you guys and give you guys each a, basically, um, pick a topic, a question, a character, an episode, anything that we don't get to on a normal episode. And we're going to do another bonus app from kind of listener-driven comment or content. So any, anything you want us to talk about you know, a favorite character, a side character, uh, a question that we wouldn't normally get to, something like that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to tackle some cool stuff. Last time around, it brought up some really neat stuff. So it did, we're going to do it that again. It was, that was really good. Uh, last last year, I believe we can say, it was awesome. So I'm looking forward to, uh, oftentimes, uh, come to find out, uh, people who've been watching this show for a long, long time uh, and who know the episodes, frankly, much better than myself. I can't speak for Josh are really good at coming up with questions and uh, interesting topics to discuss. And um, and we really appreciate that. And we know you guys have fun writing them out. And then, um, and then we are the beneficiaries of these good ideas. And then we get to talk about them. So I'm looking forward to that yet again. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, so one last piece of uh, housekeeping. They Shamelessly. Shamelessly. of blood. No shame at all, brother. So I posted in uh, in the X-Files pod, podcast on Facebook, as well as a couple of the other SG pages, because Dean is a man of infinite patience. Um, but I have uh, been a part of uh, creating a brand new podcast called uh, Nasty Graham, an RPG podcast. So it's an actual play podcast. If you've ever listened to one of those, it's basically the audio of people actually playing an RPG. Um, 
It's uh, so the first arc. We got three episodes up there now. New episodes are going to drop every single Tuesday. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's been a fucking ton of work, um, but it's. Cares. It's nobody fucking cares. Walk harder. <laughs> <laughs> nobody fucking. Thank you. I'm just fucking with you. But uh, it, but it, it's it, a lot it, of, it is. It's yeah. You know, it's. I, I see a lot of. I know you don't typically publicly, but a lot of a lot of podcasters cry about how much work they do, and it is a lot of work. But let's just kind of move on from it. But but you, the proof is going to be in the fucking pudding. But I don't want to interrupt your read, so keep going, and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's cool. If you like RPGs, I think you're definitely gonna love it. But if you if you don't, if you don't have a lot of experience with RPGs, I think there's a chance you might dig it because we we're not sticklers for the rules. We don't hang on the mechanics. It's basically about collaborative storytelling and sitting around a table with your friends, having fun, uh, playing these games, which are all about uh, imagination and improv, and that's that's what we really love doing. And it's a group of us. And uh, Dean is in the first arc, and hopefully, there's going to be a lot of arcs to come. Um, but it's people that, you know, we've been doing it for a long time and we listen to a lot of them that are out there now. And we kind of felt like the way we play is a little different than a lot of the ones that are out there. And, you know, I know I would like to listen to something like that. Maybe there's other people. So check it out. Nastygrampod.com is the website. You can find links to subscribe on there, search for it. And I would, uh, I mean, I'll just shamelessly ask love, even if, even if it's not your thing, totally, I'll ask you guys, X-Files listeners, if you could take two minutes to log on to the dreaded iTunes and fucking give it a subscribe and give it a review, that will definitely help to push it and get it into people's ears. Cause otherwise, you know, it's kind of a fucking bear out there. People search for RPG stuff. They're never going to see it until we kind of get a little bit of traction. So check it out. I think honestly, you will like it. And, uh, I don't know. May I tag this? Please. I wrote this yesterday and it hasn't hit you yet. It's hilarious that you're going to do a sticker drive because I already sent my review in and it's a long one. So bear down. The review title says it all, which the title is pure RPG entertainment. I wrote the review title says it all pure. What does that mean? Well, when you listen to an episode of nasty Graham, what you are doing is embarking upon a session that puts you right at the table with the troop. It's not produced like an audio drama, and it's not completely lost in rules discussions, but rather, it's an experience in which you feel like you're playing the game, participating in the story, and also enjoying some of uh, some, some time with good friends. In that, it is a pure role-playing experience. Now, don't get mixed up. The audio quality is solid, and the editing is sharp. Clearly, a good product is on the mind during the recording, but that is where it's concern for the outside world still ends like good escapism should pull up a chair grab some dice and fall into a world built on that incredible feeling of disappearing from the outside world for a little while with your friends and some awesome adventures disclaimer i frequently appear on this show so this is not objective but what is <laughs> i had to get a little That's existential awesome, at the end. there you go that's, that's my endorsement great. all right that's you good. motherfucker you don't ever go over my head again <clears throat> there we go we got that shit out of the way all right that's it we can actually talk about the goddamn fucking episode of hand dude Uh, yeah it's funny typically this is typical of lsg media which you're going to hear on the fog episode we talk about everything sometimes but the movie when we're like well that's the movie it's pretty cool (laughs) um but uh so here we go if we we must we must dive in i must get my notes i have notes for this episode there's a lot of great quotes in this episode. 
But here we are, Josh. We are discussing season four, I believe episode seven, Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. And we're going to hop into a fucking time machine and embark upon an episode that I really, really enjoyed. I think I love this episode. Mm-hmm. Out of the gate, I was completely enamored with this idea. I am a sucker for taking moments in history and tying them to fictional things. Um, you know this, speaking of Nasty Graham and role-playing and all this, if you know this is how I feel because I'm a fan of Vampire the Masquerade, which I've said a thousand times, and they have this propensity to link things towards, to link historical moments to vampiric machinations throughout time, for, 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 for back as far as record is known, right? And I love- Cain and Abel. Yeah. Cain and Abel. And I love that we are here doing the same thing with the career of the cigarette smoking man and seeing how he has affected, theoretically, history, according to Frohickey. Now, Mm. the other piece of this that I like is we get to learn a little bit about the man. I don't always love villain backstories because sometimes I go, well... It doesn't matter. More in film, less in TV. I think in television, it's way more sensible and, dare I say, necessary to continuously round out which are interesting characters without robbing them of the mystery that gives them the mystique we've come to enjoy about them. Correct? That's a fair thing to say? I would I would say so, yeah. So, that leads us to this mo- this episode, and boy... It plays very well to me. It's, I think it's expertly done. I think it looks great. I think we're asking a lot out of our out of our uh, actor this week. I forget his name. I'm sorry. I think it's William B. Davis or Davies. Is it William B. Uh, William Davis. B. Davis? Davis plays the cigarette smoking man as we know him, and, and then Chris in- Owens is the young guy. Yeah. Yes. So, do you recognize him? Because I know you haven't watched a ton of later. X-Files. I, to be frank, I don't really recognize him at all. Um, I don't know what he's in. I, I really don't. So slight spoiler, very, very slight, but he will become a recurring character on the X-Files down the road. Oh, cool. Excellent. Plays, plays another FBI agent who ends up being fucking cigarette smoking man's son. Oh, that's good. That's, that's a strong move. Yeah. How cool is that? That's a smart move by, by Carter, huh? To make that happen. Yep. Agent Spender. Agent Agent Spender. Spender. And I hope that's not, that's not really like a huge spoiler. I know we do have listeners who who are following along, but. That seems minor to me, but who am I to say? No, that's right. The host. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So dude, I loved your, your lead up to this. And um, I got to admit, I, I'm coming in with a, a tiny bit of a hang-up that maybe isn't so tiny that I didn't expect. Awesome. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Whew, I, I hope so. Because this isn't, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I think this is a great episode. Sure. But I'm bordering between a love and a like because I felt like I remembered this episode super well. And everything I remembered was really focused on the flashback stuff, the the black and white, the um the you know the assassination elements, the tie-ins to everything going on in history. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I got a little bit of a confusion when it got a little bit more recent. We get that that scene 
where CSM is is running this this kind of staff meeting in the mm-hmm. FBI. It's 1991, and Saddam's Mulder's calling new, on the phone. Right? Well, even before Mulder, uh, I don't know if he. So there's two more recent ones when they there's there's the scene where they kind of talk about the founding of the X Files, and and you're getting audio of of Scully. Um, but before that, when it's just CSM and he's sitting down and talking to his little, these underlings yeah. and like you see Saddam call, you know, the, 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 the walls falling, there's talk of Gorbachev. He talks about, um, <laughs> the, the, the Buffalo bills, like, no, Don't they'll never. Be- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't you believe in miracles? <laughs> yep. The, the reference back to the, to the, um, miracle on ice, right? Yep. 80s Olympics, uh, yep. 1980. Yep. <laughs> Sophia Goley. And then, and, and, and kind of the tie in more with the, the, the writing career of, of, of CSM. Okay. And I got this little element of like, okay, wait, I, I know what's going to happen. We get the, you know, we get the kind of cut to Frohickey, you know, talking about how this is theory and Mueller and Scully pulling back and being like, okay, you're going a little bit far now. And that never really happens. And I kind of felt like there was this tonal shift that I didn't remember. And it kind of weirded me out where, cause I felt like it goes from super fucking serious and, and really dark and cool and awesome. And what made this man into the cold killer he is to kind of like a little bit silly and X-Files can do silly for sure. But this time around, man, it's weird. It, it threw me for a little bit of a loop. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. We can talk about that. Silly. So, so the silly part to you is the, the him as a, essentially a failed writer. As a failed writer. And like, and the idea that he would actually care about like devoting resources to the bills, not winning the Super Bowl, And like, I see what you're saying. So, so that lot, that line kind of stuck in your craw a little bit. Yeah, I kind of did that. I just felt like there was like a little bit of a thematic shift where it kind of be, and like him sitting on the bench, the, the, the Forrest Gump moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't know, man. Like, well, it's it, funny. It I not- thought the, the, the last scene of him sitting on the bench, I, I thought like, okay, they, they need to nail the title because he's literally musings. I know he's writing, but we never quite get into what he's writing. Right. Thriller um, kind of whatever stuff. Yeah, Tom Clancy style, I believe, is what he tells the publisher. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's a fair criticism. It, I don't even know if it's. I don't want to apply it as a criticism. More of just like a, because at the end of the day, it, it, it is, could be. It, it could be a little tonally unbalanced in those moments. I don't think. I don't think that's an unassailable position that you're presenting. Do you know what I'm saying? That seems yeah. pretty. Or, or, or that scene, I don't think you're, what am I trying to say? I don't think you're, I don't think you're attacking an unassailable position. I think you're, I think this is a pretty legitimate concern. You think I can you, breach these lines? Yeah, I think so. I think this is fair to get in on this, right? Yeah. And it's, um, cause you know what part of it is too, is it, it's the tonal shift and it's the idea that because I have a huge soft spot for humanizing villains, I fucking mm-hmm. love it. It yeah. is one of my favorite, uh, a, a true just evil to the core villain is just not that interesting to me. Sure. I mean, n- not like there aren't great performances of like true evil. You know, I don't need Donnie Faster to be humanized because it's an amazing performance of a monster. But, mm-hmm. you know, a recurring character, if they're just straight evil and they're just vile to the core, at some point, it's kind of like, what are we doing watching Inspector Gadget? You know, like, come on. Yeah. 
it's it's when the humanizing kind of makes them like silly, like you know, soft, like not scary. Like I, you know, I don't know. I had a little bit of a weird hangout, but I hate it. I hate to say this because I know our listeners love this episode, man. There was some great fucking comments on the Facebook page and I, I'm not saying I don't like it. It's a solid like at the minimum. But if you asked me a week ago, before I went back and watched this, I'd be like, oh, I love that episode. I fucking love that. That's right. so good. Right, right, right. And I'm a little bit in between now. Interesting. But, but, but reasonable. Yeah, you're, you, you, you think... It sounds like the hang-up is the tonal sort of incongruities in your mind, which is, you know, you could have made it, he could have made an offhand comment about the Bill Super Bowl, but to kind of press it is a little much. And then to also, maybe maybe that's just the writer being a little too cute with how much interference this man has in the course of history, right? Yeah, yeah. It, and, could, be, and, it could be that. And like, you know, writing up a resignation letter after his... You know, he's got a fucking 40 year career. He's mm-hmm. iced a president and a civil rights leader, but he finally gets like one, you know, I, I, again, I'm, bang, I'm maybe I'm being nitpicky and no, no, by all means. And, and part of it, you know, I think a thing that would have completely changed it for me is if they, if they made a bigger play on the end of like, you know, a scene, one scene with Mulder and Scully being like, all right, Frohicky, I think you're going a little far with this theory. Like that's all it would have taken. I see. Because that yes. would have kind of been like, oh, okay. Like it's, because then, it, and it makes it a little bit more ambiguous and it's like, okay, where does fact become fiction? But here, mm. here is my take on some of that stuff. I, I seem, uh, it's funny. I don't, I didn't remember this episode too much, but I do remember there being some elements like that in this episode more than you, which is very strange because 99% of the time you're going to remember an episode better than me, which is hilarious. But in this case, I seem to remember those tonal shifts. And here's what I think. Here is why I think they don't concern me as much as they concern you. Um, and, and maybe this will, will help you a little, but maybe not. So when the, even in the serious moments, I felt hyperbole. And I, okay. and I, okay. So, so even though there's dark, serious moments, I mean, there's something I, dude, I got goosebumps during the, God, this isn't some virtue signal horse shit, but I got the, goosebumps. The during, shit. Yeah, dude. Mm. I got goosebumps during that. And then I got goosebumps during like, you know, RFK, you know, doing that. He's, he's quoting, um, I can't remember the goddamn poet's name, uh, Acelius or something. Oh, Okay. When he's doing, even in our sleep, pain, which cannot forget that, 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 um, against our will comes wisdom shit. I remember it. I wrote it down somewhere, but, um, but even with doc Cottle, by the way, from BSG, this guy's great. Fucking guy oh, smokes. Fuck. Like a, that's, that's, I couldn't think of fucking, how I didn't look him up. He but, has yes. all the, he has all the fucking bedside of a civil war doctor about to <laughs> saw your leg off this guy. I love this fucking actor. He's great. But I, I always sensed a bit of, um, I always sense a bit of hyperbole in this episode. Mm-hmm. So there were times where I almost felt like the real dark moments are, first of all, in killing MLK, killing JFK, that's very heavy, dark sort of material. And the idea of killing MLK now and in 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 watching this and how charged we are political about everything now, it, it felt even more crazy today to watch it and be like, wow, this probably played a lot different today if it was on TV. But... um. 
but I felt like those were the exceptions to the to some of the hyperbolic nature of the episode. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, man. Right? Um, because I, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to give you some examples, but go ahead and jump in. And I'll take. A I minute. thought the same thing. Maybe this is one you're going to name when the the alien body with with deep throat. Even before then. Okay. Well, that was one where like he kind of goes on this monologue, and it's like they don't really talk like this to each other. But right. again, it's maybe this is more of a it's a retelling. Right. Here's the here's here's why I think your criticism is is valid. <laughs> Who the fuck am I? But because the subject of the piece is the CSM, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. subject of the piece is the CSM. So if you're going to be hyperbolic. Are you, to use your words, making it almost silly? So that is a danger. Now, if you take Jose Chung's from outer space and you put Jesse the body Ventura and you put these other people in the episode and you design it around a POV from an author and you're having people do funny things, you go, oh, this is supposed to be funny. When the subject of the POV is the CSM, you have to be careful to not stray into the silly waters, right? Mm, So I totally feel where you're coming from. For me, I felt the hyperbole started instantly. And maybe that's why I didn't get too wild about the bill stuff. I thought, okay, that's just, we're we're doing, we're being funny. Like he's just making a joke, but it starts off with us going, he's the, he's the son of a commie. Like the, so the first thing that he's the most American murder machine of all time. And yeah. I kind of was like, the son of a commie, that's hilarious. I kind of laughed at that. <laughs> and then it, it got into just the meeting of young CSM. You know, the, the we're going to kick a rang dang do and they're doing the Fidel Castro cadence and shit. And I was like, this is fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like, they're talking about fucking... Up. I, I kind of chuckled at that. When the guy's like, oh, my, my kid's first words were JFK. I'm like, what the fuck? Yes. Forget, like that, like, so I was kind of getting set up for a little Mulder, oh, right? D- correct. For a little Mulder. His first word yep. is alien. Everybody knows this. <laughs> this is fake. The most fake news of all time. His first word is not JFK. It's fucking aliens. Okay. And then I just took it from here on out as, okay, this is Fro Hickey's brain, right? This is Fro yeah. Hickey, right? Yeah. That, so that it put me in that headspace. And now, which means my perspective on the entire app is going to be a little bit different than yours. But you you still have presented a hurdle for me, which is are we because the subject is CSM? Are we still making this a bit of a hurdle of incredulity for a man that's silly? But but man, these opening even even Coddle when these guys are like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to kill JFK and and blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, like it's like wow, we're coming in strong. You know what part of it might be? Because I'm hearing you talk, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, you're right. And I'm like, am I am I just fucking, like, that dumb that I really need it laid out for me? I, I need them to make it more obvious. I want it to be – I want to be spoon-fed. Because I, don't think I so. thought – well, but I thought watching it, like, th- clearly this, this should be imagination. Because it's you know, just, just think about <clears throat> it in terms of – in terms of uh, references, that scene yes, yes. is that's right out of Apocalypse Now. Yes, when they when they bring in Martin Sheen, that's right? a really good. That's a really good draw. And there are these guys sitting around the room, like you don't need to know their names, and they're sitting there smoking, and they're asking them about past operations. I mean, that scene is a pure fucking like nod to that. Saigon. 
And then <laughs> the shit. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> this is the end. But but like, like can but, I play and, a piece and, of dialogue for but, us? Oh, go, get your get what, your thought sorry. out. So so then you go to the JFK thing mm-hmm. and it's there is so much that ties right off Oliver Stone's JFK. Like Absolutely do. They and, and so again, if this is in Froakey's mind, because this is JFK was what that was like eight eighty nine ninety something like that. It was definitely it was definitely before this episode. JFK came out Which in ninety at the earliest. Okay, I would uh, say look, real quick ninety one. I just looked yep. it up. Yeah, I had so, a feeling. Yep. So <clears throat> five years before this. So again, Frohickey's mind. You know, Frohickey was was just <laughs> raving deep. about. He's balls deep in this. <laughs> even about that one. So perfect. <laughs> like this isn't real. This is like. Him yeah. tying it in. Maybe the thing that threw me the most is that my favorite, and you've already alluded to it, the thing that completely derailed me from that that path, and maybe it's a reference that I don't know, was the MLK shit. Because mm-hmm. it was because so good. so good. And so serious. When he's listening it's to dark. the radio, and he looks up at when he fucking says it, and he realizes right then and there, oh, shit, I wish he hadn't done that. And then when he talks about the respect he has for him, like it suddenly like pulled me in so deeply that I was like, fuck, like I kind of, I lost that perspective on it. I believe, I believe he says something along the lines of, this has driven many to feel that only Marxism has the revolutionary spirit, therefore communism. He does that. And at that point is when he goes, why did you do that? Because now he's going, he can't convince his words, Negroes to not fight in Vietnam. That's a problem yep. for us. That's it. And that was when they're like, he's got to go. And and what really, what really tugs on your heartstrings is that stock photo. And you see him down having been shot in the balcony. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. Fucking hardcore. Because that is, that's what I mean. Like, it is the most serious. And then RFK comes in saying what he's saying and blah, 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 and all that shit. But, um, but yeah, that, that's a very heavy moment in the episode. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that, maybe it was... The Maybe other way around, right? That one scene alone, yeah, because not like mm-hmm. the JFK shit wasn't serious, but but the JFK and the the you know the actual assassination part of it was so much like tied to the Oliver Stone thing, of course. The, the apocalypse now, like, and just the idea, like, and some of it's like my personal shit. Like, it's just funny to me that these two captains are in like a squad bay. Like, it was clearly yeah, like yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a fucking yeah. silly like. This yeah. is imagination world, like of course, of course. But then I guess it became so serious, and then I guess I, I, I let myself maybe veer too far one way. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> well, <laughs> at the end of the day, we can only we can only sort of experience something with our own perspective, right? Yeah. Unless you keep hitting that tincture, then maybe you'll get a different perspective. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, it's um, some of this dialogue. Uh, is just I don't know. Let, let's have a listen to it. I'm going to play it for a bit. Let's see. Let me get this up here. To secure a more positive, productive, and free existence. Often, <clears throat> however, the objectives of others conflict with our objectives. Viva la libertad. Now, most people, Cuba Libre, there can barely mm-hmm. manage to control their own self-centered, myopic existence. They command armies of lawyers armed with paper weapons, attacking with spiteful, vengeful, cowardly. I mean, this is the most hyperbolic fucking language. (laughs) 
operate within elephantine bureaucracies. And then, Captain, <clears throat> there are extraordinary men. Madam President, you got cancer. You must identify, comprehend, <laughs> and ultimately shoulder the responsibility for not only their own existence. I like that guy's old school Ray-Bans. And the world's as well. Hmm. Your father, Captain. Was extraordinary. <laughs> so, so the connect is, your, your father was so extraordinary as a commie, we trust you to carry an assassination. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, fucking, it, doesn't he have a line that's like my only regret, like going, going down the Patrick Henry path or, or Nathan Hale? Didn't Nathan Hale, the spy that was hang, uh, yeah. hanged, my only regret is that I have one, uh, but one life to give for my country. My only regret is that I wasn't the one to throw the switch when they yeah, asked him about his, about his dad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's fucking hardcore, man. Okay, so, he gets electrocuted in Louisiana or some shit, they said. Yep. You know for what it is, dude? I'm sorry. I just I, You got me to this realization that it's the one sequence with the MLK thing yeah. is what throws me off because everything else – it does read kind of overly convenient and cute yeah, uh, it, it, deliberately, deliberately, deliberately. Yes. You know, like everything, of course, like right. he's right there and him and deep throat flipping a coin to murder the alien. Like maybe yes. it happened, but it definitely didn't happen just like that. Right. Right. I think, I think that's what's, what's the, I think the hidden brilliance here is the idea that, you know, my, my, my uh, opening sort of statement in discussing the interesting parts of this is, is the way they can sort of create doubt in your head because it's coming from Frohickey, who we know uh, is conspiracy bound on many things, but also not, but also write a lot. You know, that's that <laughs> he he gets some things right. So we go, man, this is a little weird, but okay. You know, like we're doing that. It's, it would be, here's what I say. At the end of this episode, you go, that's a little fucking weird, but okay. Which I think would be the same thing you'd say if you were sitting across from Frohickey. Yes. Does that make okay. sense? So maybe that's all it is. Maybe I just need two cutscenes with with the lone gunman, Mulder, and Scully in the room, and Scully going like, Frohickey. I'm out of here. Really? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, to, yep. to, to reconvey, to, to bring back the idea, because I know objectively the whole time that this is Frohickey's telling, because they do, they cut to that surveillance shot. Yes. But I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't break the, the trail. And I, I don't know. I'm not saying they would make it better. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there as, as a thought. It might. So, so yeah, it might, hey, it quick, might if. Not yeah. a fucking writer or director. So, <laughs> but, but it might, it, you may feel if the, if there was a moment where, you know how Jillian Anderson gives Mulder that get, get the fuck out of here. Look, but it's also kind <laughs> yeah. of like, it's a sardonic smile. You'd say. Yeah, yeah, she she would give the same look to Frohickey post this story, and maybe you toss in a little diner scene like that. But I think it's important to still end to give us concern with him going. I could kill you at any time. Yes, through a fucking scope, because he, he peering at him through his scope, and we just think he could fucking waste this guy. And he's looking at him through a scope for a reason, right? I like that. I. I it that part of it lends a seriousness, and there's never any. He's serious about you know putting the goddamn bead on Frohickey's chest. Yeah, and I do like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. The two, the two, the, the the JFK when they go through the thing, but the MLK one just it's very haunting to hear 
to hear old, powerful speeches, you know, of, of men long gone, of, yeah. of, of who we hope their vision hasn't been corrupted over mm-hmm. time. You know, it just, it, it there's, there's, a, there's an echo of history there, and I think it immediately sets a tone. Yep. And maybe a little bit more. I mean, the JFK thing has really been done heavily. It, absolutely. Much more than the MLK thing. Absolutely. I mean, a- absolutely. Sorry to say it, but like it just it's it's been a more popular it, the conspiracy. I mean, it's the, maybe the number one conspiracy theory of like you know kind of sure. contemporary America. And so it's just been let's, done. Let's so much. be real about and you know me. I'm no fucking I'm no social justice warrior, but let's be real about the time frame in which a man like MLK <laughs> was slain in the race yeah. relations in the country. I mean, it's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's it's a fucking it's a thing, you know, and and of course president's big fucking news let's that's that's we have to be realistic about that too it's the president of the united states assassinated in the united states that's fucking should be the will be the biggest thing talked about sure that's just that's just the way it kind is of understandably race of, aside of, of, of yeah. course of course of course but um, granted you know i mean one could argue at the time of his assassination mlk was probably one of the most influential people in america 100 percent and, and like, if you really dig into it, there's almost as many fucking like kind of weird, quirky things. Um, there's just a little bit less meat on the bones. Plus people talk about it and dig into it. And there's yes. less, there's definitely less like, you know, well, there's no, well, I don't know if there's no, but there's not any, there's no, it's a pruder film is a huge part of it too. You know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. That it's, it's interesting how entertainment can vault things into the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful. It can one be of powerful. the silliest. Yeah. And, and how shit like, Hey, don't get me wrong. I love the movie JFK as, as a movie. It's fun. I, I love delving in conspiracy theory, but it's fucking, it's bullshit. <laughs> like a lot yeah. of it is bullshit. Yeah. And you got to realize that like, cause you can watch it and you watch that movie and you're like a hundred percent. 100% like of course <laughs> of course, of course. The, but, the movie wants a compelling narrative yes yeah of course yeah uh, well, by the way not a hard not not a hard shot to make that that thing has been way overplayed like oh yeah yeah people do it all the time yes they do that, it all the that's time now debunked wildly you, and yet you, there's you, still you, this idea you, that just it's impossible to make that you, shot you he scored three he scored two hits including a headshot <laughs> sorry he's all proud because he was where did the these men learn how to shoot in sir, the marines sir the marines sir you're in the marines <laughs> he says it. fucking harley's the fucking national treasure in the marines okay. it's so good dude that other uh, guy okay. up in the tower in texas yeah dude that's crazy fucking that's crazy that guy whacked a lot of people but anyway <laughs> Um, yeah, dude, it's, um, so yeah, that's, it, it, it is, you know, I, if they would have, you know, I don't know, maybe they don't go to the well, but maybe they play some kind of JFK speech under a fucking black and white shot of, you know, maybe we go, whoa, whoa. but I think there was something just, just woefully haunting about the MLK scene in this. It was, I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I went, I read the fucking speech. I like it. It put me in a fucking tailspin. I guess, know? dude. I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced that that one sequence is is the is the thing that's thrown me that threw me for a loop. Yep. Because yep. it's because I I think back and I'm like oh the JFK thing it's it's cool it's still dark but it's also like it's so cute how everything ties up you know mm-hmm. it's perfect with you know with with him you know 
everything about it, right? How yeah, yeah, yeah. Lee, yeah. Lee Harvey's role, you know, the when he when that cop, like everything about it, it just lines right up with the movie. It's like our perfect Patsy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all, all the other scenes, if you look at them in that light, they fit that paradigm. I guess it was just like it did start a little bit more serious, but then it was that that MLK yeah. MLK sequence kind of tipped it over, and it didn't. To me, it didn't refer to anything. I didn't think of anything. I just kind of got caught up in the moment. And yeah. uh, and then so maybe it's kind we of, just axe that scene and continue to bury an old assassination. What do you yeah, think? just to, just just let's just take it one. out of the Not public important. eye. <laughs> just just axe it out of the whole fucking episode so you can feel better. <laughs> Which fucking sucks because it's literally my favorite one. It's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. We yeah. get it. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, um somebody was saying there's no no uh no uh no molder and no there's a there's a shot of her actually, right? There's a shot yes, of her. But it's yeah. it's season no, one stock. Stock footage, essentially. Sure. Yep. Yeah, this was like <clears throat> the first episode that they uh they both weren't in. They got like 10 days off. <laughs> yep. See you later. That's awesome. Cool. I like I love, that. I just love, uh, again, we're, we've been brought to the, we almost were brought to the brink of annihilation because of this man. Of course, he's ruining the Bay of Pigs. And that's when, um, you know, he goes, he, she heads in. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I love that idea of, so, of please the conspiracy continue. in general. Just it's, that's, that's what's alluring about conspiracy. Like, you of, know, cor- of course. Yeah. I don't buy yeah. most of them. But they yeah. are fun to like kind of play with. Sure, sure. Um I also love <laughs> just sort of a sidebar. I love that they pick him up in a theater, right? Lee Harvey. Yes. Because because CSM lured him there and then the cop the the, the fucking bulls roll in. <laughs> yep. The bulls yep. roll in and snag him. I also love that people are still watching their movie and the president got shot a minute ago because no cell phones. <laughs> yes. Like, right. Who the fuck would know? Like did, did Probably the most insane thing that happened. The, the 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 cell phone moment for me was I was working in a call center of about three hundred, and Mike Michael Jackson died, and everyone started looking around. Oh wow! They what year was that? It. I don't recall. Huh? We'd have to we'd have to Google it. Well, our, it's it's because I think back nine eleven. I didn't get from cell phones, but cell phones no. were definitely a thing. But it just wasn't as yep. crazy. I was in a class. And the class 2009, started. sorry. Okay, all right. So that was, it's really, it's the smartphone thing. That's the smartphone, the, yep. Right. 9-11, that, yeah, that was, I saw that on TV and I thought I was looking at old footage of something and I was like, wait, is this actually happening? <laughs> yeah. Fucking wild. But um, yeah, 2009, I remember that was a cell phone, like, you know, Twitter or whatever it was on moment. It had to be Twitter at the time, I'm guessing. Let but me grab a- like, wait, what? a quote from the from the chat which says a lot of kind of um some of the same stuff you've been getting at from uh from Harper Blue. I wonder if this episode is so absurdist and his passion to become this revered novelist or part of making CSM even more incongruous even more of an incongruous character than he already was within the episode where they presumably should have explained everything about him. So I like that. I think yeah. And I, I like think that. that's kind of some of what you were saying about the the hyperbolic yeah. nature of of all of it and me kind of fucking missing the boat or not putting together the pieces that a lot of those scenes are right there in, you know, from, from the get go, from jump really. Absolutely. Like my, my son's first words were JFK. Yeah. Fuck it's out of here. It's fucking ludicrous. It's ludicrous. ludicrous. <laughs> because, because he's about to be tasked with assassinating the man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Like yep. It's just, it's too, it's too fro hickey, you know, but, but 
but I but also that's the the charm. I think that's what I like about it. Mm. Um, and and I do like that. In the past, we do see him writing his novel, and it, and it feels may, maybe watching the hardened man as we know with the craggy face and the and the marbles sort of getting hung up on his novel. Maybe that does have a silliness to it versus watching a young ambitious man thinking, man, I'm at this crossroads in life. I could continue down this fucking road of, you know, uh, you know, being involved in these horrible things or, or maybe, maybe let's be real, uh, follow his passion, you know, in, in those moments. But that, like he was writing is not like that scene when he's writing his novel and we get to that part, part in MLA's MLK's speech and he goes, Oh no. And like, it's that moment, it's that divergence of time where he Mm. goes, well, he said that right as I'm ripping this thing out of the typewriter. That's that's cool. Like I like I like those pivotal moments. The I like turning points. I think in a character's life, it's yeah. it's it's hard to do in a TV show when you're focusing on a character who's not a main character. I mean, he is, but you know, you know what I'm saying. He's yeah, a, a major supporting character. A major supporting character. That's a better yeah. way to say it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I mean, we've we've gotten. I think at this point, because I, I, sometimes I get mixed up about what we've covered in sequence and not. Like, we've gotten a Skinner episode or two. Yes. And that's kind of the same thing. I mean, I think he's, you could say he's up there with Skinner, but maybe there's more mystery to him. And and yet, at, at the sure. time, before sure. it's revealed, there's also, you know, there's a lot of a lot we don't know about Skinner. But but that level of character, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You know, right. something that's really important to the story, something that's in a lot of episodes, but always to the sides and especially not just to the sides, but the shadows in this case. Moxie has a great comment. She says, CSM's character transcends the show's mythology to become a mythological character of his own. So much versatility in his villainy. She has a way with the words, that one. So, so that is a very interesting point because (laughs) we understand that there are mythology, that there's a mythology arc, right? How yes. fitting that the man in question who is at the center of these transcends it into a mythological status. And, and that, that has a bit, of a, a, a bit of a poetic bend to it, but I think it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Just this idea of him being mythological in a sense without getting too sort of Greek <laughs> with it, right? He, yes. he does sort of transcend it a bit based on a guy like Frohickey's perception of him. It's interesting. Yep. Like, like for Frohickey to be like, oh, he rigged the 80 Olympics. He rigged the fucking, the Bills crap in it four times in the 90s. He rigged, you know, he rigged, if I can pour Jim Kelly, he rigged it all. Like it, he's, he, he's a fucking, he's mythological in a sense. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Yep. And I like, like I said, I do like the element of humanizing a villain. And, and the show does it. You know, I mean, CSM is always kind of vile, but there is an idea. There's an element that continues to play out that, you know, he's not, you know, he's not out to just, just wreak havoc and kill and destroy. He's working towards objectives. You know, he is a hundred percent. And, and I, that's the a big part of this part. I don't want to miss tonight. Yes. He is the epitome and, and BP has got a, a good quick line in the chat. I think what's interesting, which we've mentioned before is that assuming this is mostly true is a man who did these horrible things, but did it because he thought it was the right thing. I mean, CSM is the epitome of, in his mind, the end justifies the means. Correct. Right? I mean, in his mind, he is a fucking patriot beyond, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, and not that, I'm not saying he applauds himself as a hero, but this is a guy who thinks, like, I'm doing what's right for America, even if it means giving up, you know, that scene where he's sitting down 
typing the story about sacrifice on Christmas Eve. He's given up any chance of a family. He's given up any kind of normal life. People even knowing what, what his, his real name is and knowing anything about, about, he's given up being a person to, to serve America in his mind and in the minds of the people that have helped to create him and guide him and, and made this, this fucking weapon, basically this asset that he, that he becomes. Yeah. Sadly, there's a uh, there's an amazing quote out there, and I, I can't remember where it is. I I know it's from a, a woman, and um, and I don't remember what it is. And it's really really good, and it describes precisely what what BP said, and then what Harper followed it up with by saying, "Funny enough, that sounds like you're describing lots of dictators." One, not, not, and not, and here's what's insidious about that. And I don't want to go off on much of a tangent and not even dictators, Harper, right? I think that's what drives most horror in the world on a national scale. I think horror on a national scale is a lot of times people doing what they think is good. They think what they're doing is good. That's the, that's what's horrific about it. They think they're doing good. Or, or the end results are good. I think there's a lot of people who can justify that they might do things that they they don't think are great. But I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. Maybe I'm just putting a tweak on it that they think that the end result of what they're doing is good. I mean, I'm sorry, I might be putting words in your mouth. Yeah, maybe, maybe right. So I guess, I guess, I guess the I guess the discussion believes. Do they think? I think that I think that the end justifies mean is a real quote and it exists and it works. I think I'm talking about something different. I think okay. they literally think they're doing good things. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in in a lot of times they're not doing good things. They they're doing they're doing things that cause horrific harm in in yep. in many bad things. And um and that's that. It's pretty fucked up. <clears throat> it, and to to jump into another thing, so Voss says. Uh, Again, we're referring to the chat a lot, but they're bringing up a lot of good stuff. Just following orders. BP talking about, isn't it interesting that he's just a middleman? He isn't the leader or the dictator. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yet the transition to him sit from him sitting in that room in the in one of the first scenes, getting these orders, taking this mission to kill the president, to cut to him running the meeting and and bringing up the idea of killing MLK. And saying he's going to be got to do it, he's not following any orders there. Mm-hmm. He he's yeah, expressly so. <clears throat> saying no, 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 no. The president will not know about this. I don't even want the president to know my name. So he's not he. I would disagree. He's not a middleman. Okay, he's not a figurehead for sure because he's deliberately staying out of the spotlights. But he he goes from taking orders to to giving them. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, giving them, but also, you know, taking part in it. And that's really, I think the the insidious thing, because, you know, you can, you can justify taking the orders, but then, you know, at some point, some point, you know, some of these people find themselves in the position where, and maybe they justify it because of, you know, it was justified when, when they were the ones taking the orders. So now they're in the spot, they're in the chair. It's time to make some hard decisions. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That well, that now you get into that. Um, the fuck's his name? That quote. I don't remember his name, but free of the flourish, it only requires good men to do nothing. Right? That's 
that's when you have to make a moral choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the other thing I was thinking about <clears throat> with the with 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 CSM because I want to talk about him as a, as a as a force, as a character to go back to Moxie as a mythological thing. A lot of times to elevate someone to mythology is to sort of to sort of warp their morality and make it almost impossible to understand and maybe sometimes a reflection of us in some weird way. But all that minutia aside, I I thinking the end justifies the means, maybe according to Frohick anyway, doesn't even doesn't even sufficiently describe CSM. CSM is almost described as sort of a malevolent force with this quote alone. He's the most dangerous man alive, not so much because he believes in his actions, but he believes these actions are all which life allows him. That Hmm. reminds me of sort of just saying, I am the devil's tool and I have no compunctions about it and I will be wielded in the way I am. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really fucking dark. So, (laughs) So a quote like that makes me think, this man has resigned himself. Let's, if, if we agree with Frohickey, and I'm not saying we have to, but, but it's fun to talk about. But if we take a guy like, if we take Frohickey's opinion on the man, it's very, very dark. And it basically just says, it, it might not be to, to, to be negative, jingoism, nationalism, to be more favorable, pa- patriotism. Maybe if this guy got on a plane and flew to Russia and was like, I guess I live here now, use me. Utilitarianism, exactly. Yes, in in in, uh, maybe yeah, just just in God, not even even that might be being too kind. Just being (laughs) like I, I, I am become death destroyer of worlds. Like that Mm. quote is him. Like according to Frohickey, right? Yeah, he is. I am just. I am the angel of death. Is what he's saying. (laughs) He's like he believes the actions are all which life allows him. In other words, he is designed as a purpose to 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 impart these things upon the world regardless of my political allegiance right you want to hear a wild fucking wild tangent off that please by all means (laughs) so (laughs) frohickey's opinion of csm is almost the mirror opposite to my opinion of captain jean-luc picard Okay, bear with me for a second. I've had Star Trek on the mind a lot recently because I've been listening to Kirk and Off and fucking really digging it, and I haven't. What's Kirk Off? It's a, uh, I don't know, there's a podcast, some couple of fucking ass clowns It's an amazing fucking Star Trek podcast, probably one of the best ones out right now. You should check it out. Yes. So, you know, and I talked on the the Kirk and Off page before you guys launched it that, like, man, it's, it's sad that, I've watched so little Star Trek TV and, sure, you know, sure. I've been really inspired to like want to watch more. I've been thrown on some next gen and I was always, you know, when people, and a lot of it's nostalgia, I'm hundred percent like with Star Trek, I, I grew up on the Kirk crew, those sure. movies. That's, that's what affected me in my youthful, you know, like years. But I did always have this thing about Picard and this is not to say this is how it is. This is my perception is that is you know, or was. About, uh, was more maybe still lingering to some extent because I, I have not watched enough next gen, hit, but hit I, me. I had to hang up with him, especially when people would bring up the question of like, who would you want to be your captain? Whatever is that he's too morally, he's too much of a moral absolutionist for me. Mm-hmm. 
And that might too much like a manual Kant. He's so he, (laughs) and again, trying to bring him back to X files for, you know, the ultimate ends to the means of CSM to me, I looked at Picard as too far in the other way. Like this is a man who would, who would give up the lives of his entire crew to do what was right. Not, not to affect, not to have a, a positive effect on more lives or anything like that, but just because it was the right thing to do. Because like, there are these two people on this planet and one of them is imaginary, basically an episode that I watched recently. And I'm like, you're oh, fucking, you watch, did you watch pen pals? Uh, it, it's the one where they show up at a planet and there's like the planet was devastated and there's, um, there's so this was make, not a Kirking off episode. This was data was, makes friends with the girl. It was in season three. Oh, no, 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 there's only okay. two residents of the planet. It's a man, old man and, a, and his wife. Oh, oh yeah. I know that. Up. Uh, and sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but Picard, I should know. Picard threatens the lives of his entire crew, his entire ship to do what is right to right. and kind of to make a point. And I'm like, I just, I the, the people that live in these absolutes, I can't. It's tough. Yeah. I can't with them. Um, you, you will, you will, there's a lot, there's a lot more to him than that episode for sure. You'll, you'll see. I, I was thinking, okay. Oh, you should watch pen pals. Okay. Yeah. Watch pen pals because pen pals is, is a direct violation of the prime directive because of it's the only real choice despite the ethics. It, it's okay. It's, he, he has a lot of these moments throughout the series. Okay. Yeah. And again, yeah. Like I, I, I made it, I've tried to make it clear. This is my perception of him, not how the, how the character actually well, is. That's all that, that's all that matters. Right. Your perception of him is how he is to you in the moment. Yeah. Right? But again, so, we're talking so, about Frohigi's perception of CSM, which Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. We see well, a little bit b- different Before you here. step off of Picard, I will say this. He is 100% much more, uh, uh, much more a man who stays close to his principles than others. Much more going to stay close to you know, what his charge is than others. That's 100% true. That was, the, that was the writing difference between him and others. And then every yep. captain's a little bit different, and they all yep. go through these changes and shit. But, but yeah, you're, so you're right in thinking that way. To be clear, okay, yeah, right, yeah. That was a that was a random mm-hmm. shot up there. So, so yeah, essentially, he's the inverse of Picard. Or of Kirk. like, uh, oh, I'm just saying, Picard or is the inverse CSM. of CSM. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, because the CSM exists. So if 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 yeah, I more or less, I get I get that connection yep. there because the CSM Picard is is, is, a, is an agent of of death. Yes, Picard is someone who will do good regardless of the situation that he's put in. Mm-hmm. You know, versus CSM. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, you know, from, from that quote from Frohicke. Right. Yeah. 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 The most dangerous man in the last because he believes in it. He, it's not, it's not a question. What, what's fucked up about that is it's not a question of conviction in morality. That's, that's what Frohicke saying. It's, it's not moral conviction. It's essentially acceptance of, I am become death destroyers of, of worlds, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. beyond morality is irrelevant to a man like the CSM. I think that's what we're supposed to believe here. And, and I don't even think it's like, yay, America. I, I don't think it's that at all. According no, to Frohickey. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yep. He just happens to play for that team. I, you never get the impression that he truly believes in the ethics of America. Yes. It's just, well, that's the team I'm on and uh, my team's uh, going to win. Correct. It's very lawyerly, isn't it? Yeah. When you said like, Hey, if he happened to be in the fucking Soviet union, well, <laughs> he would, he would. Yeah. Like suppose he had to go on the run and he got there and he was like, no, oh, this deal is better. 
Yeah. Like <laughs> he has no no human connection. I guess right? I'm putting an ice pick in the back of Trotsky's head. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Shut that shit down. Yeah. It's fucking wild, brother. Well, fuck, man. I got to say, um, I'm, I'm swung back around to a love for sure. No way. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. I think uh, the tonal shift was much more in my head. I, I've got a better, not a better, I have a new perspective perspective yep. on it and it keeps it it keeps it in the lens of uh of of what Frohickey is imparting and yet also potentially giving some cool insight and backstory mm-hmm. to CSM. Yes. Uh so. to, to answer Bry's question because we may have confused listeners. Doesn't CSM have his own moral compass though? A hundred percent. This is Frohickey's opinion of right. CSM, to be clear. Just, just like it was my opinion of <laughs> Picard. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah, and that and that's a very important distinction. Um, I I I reserve judgment on CSM's moral compass at this stage of the game, but maybe I can give you some more as we go through the series. Yeah, we haven't got a lot of the nuance yet, but it will it will come. I'm sure. I'm sure. I do like the a uh, couple things. So just a couple quick nods. <laughs> when um, he's listening to them talking, he's like, "Oh, I thought the FBI sent you to spy on me." And fucking CSM's literally spying on them, and he just laughs. He goes. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's fucking spying on them and it's not her. Yeah, I just love that moment. It's so cool. He gets along a chuckle. With a, he gets a kick out of it. Along with Froiki, I will not talk until the a CSM twenty five is activated. At the, <laughs> the flick of the the CSM twenty five countermeasure, I'm like it reminded me of like radar detectors and radar detector detectors and like he that just game. slices right through it, no problem with his yeah. super, super CSM fucking spy tech. Very, it. very cool. Very, very cool, brother. All right. So uh, unless you got anything else, I, I was thinking of uh, listener comments. Yeah, but I want to talk about Deep Throat, baby. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple of good, <laughs> there's a couple of great quotes in this scene. Deep Throat says, I'm the liar, you're the killer. CSM, your lies have killed more men in a day than I have in a lifetime. And I love that <laughs> because well-placed lies can do so much damage. And I just love that we get to see these two men interact. I think it's really fucking cool. And I believe it's one of them has that line, uh, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. That's a Henry David Thoreau quote. It's really good. Yeah. Very good. But I love uh, I love how they flip a coin to see who's going to be the hatchet man on this poor EBE who's just chill, chilling on the bed. He walks in and ices his fucking ass. And that's when that <laughs> Frohicky quote comes in that I already talked about. But, you know, one last thing, and then we'll comments. I swear, what's with a bandaid on his neck? Did he cut himself shaving or something? Oh, I, I forgot. I had a note about that. Was it a bandaid or was it a bug? Is that what it was? I think so. And it, I was a little confused. And we we might get some uh, might get some answers in the chat real quick because I don't think it I don't think it comes to the front in this episode, but I thought that's cause he, there's a couple scenes where he kind of, he scratches his neck there, but there's only the one scene with deep throat, deep throat where he pulls it off. And yeah. I thought they kind of showed that like, there's some electronics in there. Like it's a little bit of a bug or something. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Maybe just a, an element that it's, uh, and then you know, that, good, he, that he's always good piece of X-Files trivia. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's a nicotine patch. Hmm. He was trying to quit smoking. That's what it is. She's absolutely right. Maja's right. Oh. I, somebody may have said it before her, but yeah. It's I don't a think you're supposed patch. to put that shit on your fucking jugular. <laughs> he wants that fucking hardcore shoot. Shoot it in me. God but, damn. Um, we learned that Deathrow's name is Ronald or, or Roland. Uh, 
Roland or something? That's, Roland, that's pretty cool. I think. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I guess we would have never known otherwise. If one man's going to know his name, it's going to be fucking our guy. A yeah. motherfucking guy. All right. You want to talk about some listeners? Yeah, man. It's hard. Dude. There, there are so many good comments on this one. Like so many really yeah, well no, thought out. So uh, honestly, I'm kind of just going off trying to trying to read somebody that we haven't read before because there's some really good ones. By all um, means. And, uh, you know, join the conversation. You know, just look up uh, LSG on X-Files. slash groups slash LSG on X-Files. There you go. Um, I'm going to go with Glundy Abara. Uh, in the chat right now. This episode was really good at adding additional backstory to CSM. The flashback sequences really helped in developing the character we have come to subsequently love slash hate. The part that stuck out to me is uh, the most is how uh, on the money Frohicky is in the terms of a man who never really got to fulfill the dreams that he wanted, but rather uh, executing the ideas of other men in his work and living a rather unfulfilled life. This, the episode did, really did a good job touching upon the most famous conspiracies that others in this thread have mentioned, aliens, JFK, and MLK assassinations, etc. The only reason I really remembered the episode was that when CSM coin tosses to kill the alien, for some yeah. reason, that one scene made me remember that I had indeed seen this episode. Also love that some of the scenes are black and white, which added for some amazing lighting and dramatic effect. Wanted to mention that because we didn't really talk enough about you. You said it earlier, a nice looking episode. I just don't mm. think we, we said it enough that there's some yeah. really fucking nice shots in this one. Absolutely, the the opening scenes with the the red and the red and blue colors outside yeah. the glass where he's perched. It's fucking fucking Michael dope. Mann shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm going to read uh, to to continue on the to to riff on your theme of we didn't talk enough about X. Uh, Harper Harper says uh, I put off watching this episode for such a long time because I thought it'd be a major snooze fest and everyone who gave it raving reviews is just a pretentious wanker that's beautiful by the way it's beautiful <laughs> that's a beautiful start but more is, importantly is that Harper Harper Blue that's in the chat I don't know uh, we got multiple Harpers no anyway continue so Harper, so Harper continues I couldn't get enough of of his pure and innocent love of writing and wanting to become a novelist. I thought that was such a sharp bit of writing to show CSM as human opposed to this monster that we're used to, which is funny because it almost undermines Frohickey's feelings on him, but we didn't mm-hmm. talk about him wanting to maybe write to explore something a little bit different to other, other than how it threw you off a little bit, like the rejection or, no, oh, they are going to produce it. Maybe he's going to resign. You know, I, I think, yep. I think seeing frailty in the man is, 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 is interesting because you can threaten the CS, CSM's life. You could probably threaten to kill him. You could probably beat him up. You could probably do all these things that he probably doesn't give a flying fuck about, but we do see he is a human after all. And he has a frailty. He has a vision of some sort of art. You know, I, I wonder if this is almost like a, like almost like a, 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 a parody or a satire of the idea of like Hitler as a failed artist, right? <laughs> this <laughs> nice. idea of like he, he failed at this thing that if this, he, this if sort he of like uh, right this this sort of soft art not not to not even to denigrate it but 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 art in general versus you know he's he wants to do this fucking right brained thing I think would be the way to say it and yep. um, and he's excited about it and he wants to indulge in his creativity and uh, and it's important to him. And and perhaps it's shown with a slice of cheese on top, which is fine. But that said, it is something maybe he wanted to do. And 
and uh, you know he he looks at, at, at the what's it Roman Eclef or some shit this sort of buxom blonde babe <laughs> yeah. on the cover he's like what kind of publishing and now the one thing like I will say about that throwback pulp kind of pulp uh, yes, publishing brother yeah. good catch yes science fiction was legitimately pulp back in the day it was nonsense to people yep. and it appeared in these types of publications it was nonsense and then years later it sort of becomes art because these fucking renegades kept pushing it they kept telling these stories and to see him go through this moment of, oh, I, this isn't, you know, this, this sort of last vestige of whatever would drive him away from becoming this black hole of a man, you know, sure. <laughs> this is sort of ripped away from him in, I guess, in a humiliating way, you know, so good stuff. We didn't talk enough about it, Harper. So there you go. I like it. I like it. Um, so I'm going to close it out. I kind of want this to become a thing. Um, what are your three stars of the episode? Hockey style. Hockey style. Hockey style. Fucking hockey um, style. I mean, CSM's a given where you have to agree that he's just the number one. Which one, though? So I'm talking about like humans, <laughs> actual humans involved in this. Yeah. I know so what you're actors, directors, writers, whatever. Mm. Let me see here. I have it pulled up. Let me pull it up right here. You want me to take a at- crack? I haven't put a lot of thought, but I think I oh, could. Oh, by all means, if you're ready to go, then go. Yeah, so, um, and because and, I did think I was going to ask you this, but I, it's actually changed during the, the conversation, I think. Okay. Um, I would give the number one star to, <clears throat> and I think you're supposed to go backwards, but whatever, to uh, yeah, William three, B. Two, Davis, okay, who, gonna, who, yep. who plays <clears throat> older cigarette smoking man. Yep. And number two to Chris Owens. Who plays mm-hmm. the young the young cigarette smoking man? We're gonna have the same three. And number three to the director, James Wong. Good shit. But we almost had the same three. Okay. What do you got? <clears throat> I have um I have William B. Davis as older cigarette smoking man as well, even though I really wanted to pick young smoking cigarette man. But we're seeing William B. do something he doesn't normally do, and to me that nods him the number one spot. Yeah. I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say number two for me is Glenn Morgan, the writer. Nice, because I okay. think this is a pretty solidly written episode, um, and it's and it's very challenging to do. Uh, I wouldn't even go so far as to say unreliable POV, but POV from a man we know to have a certain type of personality. So. So you got Glenn Morgan trying to get in Pro Hickey's head and present this in a way that isn't just slapstick nonsense. And I think that's difficult. And and finally, I will give Chris Owens the nod at number three for the young cigarette smoking man for sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, and it, it, it was a closer call of, of, of the writer because like I said, initially I had issues, I thought, with 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 the writing with the tone but in in retrospect it's it's much less of a of a, of a problem now now yeah, that we're not talk, quite as hung up it. on it you're saying yeah yeah all yeah, right yeah, that's cool yeah. well i'm glad you dug it man so um what's on the docket next time around well next time around uh we'll we'll, we'll figure out the timing of our of our little bonus step we're going to do from uh some input from the listeners but i don't think that will probably be um be in queue next we'll stick with uh, conventional. We're gonna get into we get into a little cry check, a little cry check and mother, and some 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 black oil in Tunguska. 
I'll tighten those restraints. <laughs> we're back. Um, I couldn't. We're, we're going to roll out in a second here. I don't have the. I don't have the version you're looking for, Sally. But this will be sufficient nonetheless. That's just a little little code talk to you. <laughs> but um, we are going to get out of here, I guess, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And uh, before we go, Josh, in the spirit of the X Files podcast, tell these good people goodbye. Don't threaten me, Mr. Mulder. I've watched presidents die. You've been listening to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. 